Hi, self-lovers. Before we get to today's episode, I want to take a moment to address the June 24th Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the legal right to have a safe and legal abortion. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. This decision is scary in and of itself, and it could also lead to the loss of other human rights. To learn more about what you can do to help, go to podvoices.help. Remember that any small thing you can do helps. Any dollar you can donate, every conversation you have with somebody about the importance of abortion, any moment you can spare to call your local representatives and demand that they take action, when you go out and vote, all of those small things add up and they will help. We will fight this. We are fighting this. And if you need more resources for abortion advocacy, go to podvoices.help. I also want to remind you that episode number 122 that I recorded right after this Supreme Court decision is all about self-love during a time of crisis, when you feel like the world is falling apart, when it just all feels heavy. I really encourage you to take extra good care of yourself, and episode 122, it's called Your Self-Love Survival Guide, will hopefully help you do that. I love you. Hang in there. We got this. Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate, and this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Last week, I went over to my mom's house to just hang out with her because my little sister is at camp and my stepdad is out of town on a guy's trip. So it was just my mom and I went over there thinking I would just have dinner and then go home. But I ended up staying there talking to her for like five hours and it felt really, really good because we used to hang out like that very often. Growing up, it was just me and my mom. My mom was a single mom with two kids, and my sister was really small. So me and my mom have always been, like, attached at the hip. But the past, like, I don't know, however many years, eight years, I guess, since she's gotten remarried and Alana got older and actually a big contributor, and this is nothing bad. It's just been, like, one reason why my mom and I don't have this kind of intimate time together as much anymore is because my stepdad is American, so we speak English in the house. And me and my mom, in case you don't know, we speak Russian, and I've always spoke Russian at home. And so for me, it's weird talking to my mom in English, and there's only so much I can express to her because, I mean, her English is spectacular, don't get me wrong, but like my whole life I've only talked to my mom in Russian, so speaking English to her, like it's, it's just not the same. So All that to say, I felt like I really, really connected with her. And so much of our conversation was around just some of my fears about getting married and having kids and feeling like things in my life are moving pretty quickly. And my mom confessed to wanting grandkids and impatiently waiting. And she's like, I really don't mean to put pressure on you. It's just like this biological drive that I have. And I can't wait for you to have babies so then I can hang out with them and fix all the mistakes I made as a parent. And I just thought that was so heartwarming that she said that. So 
Anywho, it was really lovely. And the next day I went out shopping with my boyfriend and, oh, this is the part of the story that's important. So we were talking about like getting married, having kids, all that stuff. And my mom gave me a lecture that I've heard so many times during my life. Thankfully, like so fortunately that I heard this from her and the lectures along the lines of like, never settle for less, always know that you can do it all. Don't ever sacrifice your dreams for someone else and just always put yourself first and don't ever put yourself in a box or limit yourself because of what somebody else wants. And I'm not saying all this because like me and my fiance's dreams are mismatched. It's actually quite the opposite. He's the one that's like always encouraging me to do more retreats or travel somewhere or take on these big grand projects. And I'm the one that's like, are you sure? Like, maybe I should just stay home because like, I don't know, our wedding is coming up. So anyways, it's obviously I'm the one that sometimes holds myself back from these things. And my mom gave me this like really hard talk about why not to do that. And the reason is that you're just always going to be unfulfilled and unhappy if you put other people before yourself. Like the most generous thing you can do for your relationship, your family, for the people around you is to put yourself first because it's so cheesy, but it's so true. Like when your cup is full, it overflows to other people. You have better energy to give. And nobody wants a resentful stay-at-home mom. I'm sure maybe some of you have experienced that, watching your mother just sacrifice so much of herself for other people. Or maybe it was your dad. Maybe it was just somebody in your life that you saw and you're just like, gosh, you're capable of so much and so much more. But for whatever reason, whether it's mindset related or circumstantial or often a combination of everything, there are people that just constantly hold themselves back. And I'm grateful that my mom was always one of those people that encouraged me not to do that. And I think that it was really inspired from her personal experiences because she felt like she has done that for most of her life. And she would not stand for that with her daughters, especially me being her oldest and just like living through a lot of those experiences with her. She always just drilled into me, like, put yourself first, like chase after your dreams. Money will come. Get your education. Like, I'm really grateful that I had that. And another thing that I'm exceptionally grateful for, and I was telling my boyfriend about this the next day, is that my mom also like always believed in me. There was never a dream too outrageous. You want to do retreats? All right, I'll come and I'll help you. I'll be the chef. And literally the first retreat I ever did, my mom cooked food for me and the girls. And I had her full support. Like she did everything for me. And the third retreat, right? So Sedona and San Diego, same thing. She came out and helped me with the whole thing. And, you know, when it came to education, she was always so proud of me and never doubted me in that way. Or when I wanted to move to Canada on a two weeks notice and live with some guy I just met, she's like, I have anxiety. And she definitely tried to talk me out of it at first, but she came around and she called me and she said, you know what, this is your life. And if this is something you need to do, I'll support you. And I was telling my boyfriend this, it was inspired by the fact that my mom 
Uh, so interesting. Gosh, I did not mean for this episode to be about my mother, but it's just so fresh in my mind. She printed out my numerology reading that she did for me, and she typed everything up. And uh, what is numerology? In case you don't know, I guess it's like astrology, but based on numbers, I'm not really sure, but she's always been really interested in stuff like that. Astrology was always a big part of her life and thus mine, and now she's really deeply studying numerology. I don't know enough to tell you about it, to be honest with you, but one interesting detail about my mom and the way she is is that she really believes, like when she gave me this lecture, mind you, she also called me right when I left her house and continued this talk with me as I drove home. And what she proceeded to say was along the lines of like, you have to understand in your numbers, you are limitless. You've always been that way. Like this is the way you were born. You can't hold yourself back. And so she really believes in like the fate of the stars and this is what you were meant to do. And you have to play big because you were born to do that. So I don't know if I believe in that or if that's why or whatever it is, but one big thing that I took away from that is just my gratitude for her believing in me. And this episode that I'm recording for you right now, originally I wanted to talk about how to believe in yourself. And obviously it's a lot easier to believe in yourself when you have somebody cheering you on. Like, I'm so grateful that she could do that for me, but it's so much harder if the people around you don't support you. And over time, you internalize that and you start to not support yourself and not believe in yourself. And so I planned this whole episode about how to believe in yourself. And then I realized that that's not really what it's about, (laughs) right? As with many things in life, we think it's about one thing and there's a deeper layer. And what I landed on was this idea of failure and how to overcome the fear of failure. And I think overcoming the fear of failure is the flip side of believing in yourself and you kind of have to have both. But overcoming the fear of failure, at least the way I see it or the way my brain is looking at it, it seems like the bigger beast to tackle. So let's talk about it. The fear of failure. What is the fear of failure? Well, it seems very straightforward, but I want you to carefully listen to what I'm about to say and think about how it might be true or if it's true for you. I don't know. But here's my theory about failure. You fear failure because you also fear success. And I would even say that the fear of success is more often than not greater than the fear of failure. Let me give you an example. Imagine that you're applying for your dream job, but you're afraid that you won't get it. That's the fear of failure, right? I'm afraid that they won't hire me. At the same time, there's also a part of you. I guess it's a more subconscious part of you that's afraid that you actually will get it. So which is greater, your fear of perceived failure 
or your fear of perceived success. I say perceived because I think it's very subjective, right? Like sometimes we think like, oh my God, I failed. But like you didn't really fail. You just got redirected into a different life path that was so much better for you anyways. Or you're like, oh yes, I got the job. I succeeded. And then six months later, like you fucking hate it. And you're like, why am I here? Right? So I say perceived failure and perceived success because it can play out in so many different ways. But in that moment, the way your mind is perceiving it, right? One thing is failure. Another result is success. Hey, my self-lovers, before we go on with today's podcast episode, I want to make sure that you are giving yourself the gift of self-love. The Gift of Self-Love is a book I wrote to help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to finally love yourself. And it's available in stores and online worldwide. So go pick it up if you don't have it already. And if you do have it, little reminder to make sure that you are reading it and doing that work in the workbook. I poured my heart and soul into this book, compiling everything I teach at my retreats and everything we talk about on the podcast and putting it into this heartfelt, relatable, and actionable workbook for you. The cool thing is this book is a combination of me sharing everything that's helped me on my self-love journey. And it's also a workbook. So you can actually write in it and put the tools into practice right away. So it's a very integrative experience, similar to what it would be like if you came to a retreat and we were doing a workshop in person. These exercises are all in one place for you. There are quizzes, journal prompts, self-reflection exercises, self-love challenges, all of which will help you with body acceptance, mindset and self-talk, confidence and self-worth. So if you haven't gotten it yet, you can get it today by going to maryscupoftea.com slash book. You can also search for it on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. And please take a second to check out all the amazing reviews. At this point, the book has reached thousands of people all around the world. And these reviews are so, so special to me. They literally make me cry when I read them. And I hope that this book has the same profound impact on you. So go to maryscupoftea.com slash book and give yourself the gift of self-love. So which is greater, the fear of perceived failure or your fear of perceived success? You might think, Mary, it feels so much worse to fail. But really, our brains are literally wired to fear success. Let me explain why. I did a crap ton of research for this because I was writing about this in my next book, which, woohoo, I finished that manuscript and I did a bunch of editing and gosh, what a humbling experience because (laughs) there was quite a bit of editing to do after I word vomited out the initial rough draft, but that's how the writing process is. You have to have something shitty first in order to make it something good. I feel the need to share that because that's another part of failure and not fearing it that we get to step into, which is that like doing something bad is an incredible starting point because only once you do something bad can you get better at it. But anyways, for my book, I was researching like the best way to explain this, like why is our fear of success actually bigger than our fear of failure and why the fear of failure isn't actually like what you're afraid of. 
And the reason is because our brains don't like success because success forces us to level up, to adapt to a new, more expansive reality. And that's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable because it's new. And our brains don't really like new things. We are creatures of habit and we do hold ourselves back from anything challenging or your brain tries to. And the whole goal is to, you know, calm yourself down and then do the scary thing anyways. And then you learn and grow from it. And at a certain point, it's not that scary anymore, right? But initially, your brain like doesn't want you to do the big scary thing because it's it's just new and it's not used to it. And to our neurochemical wiring, whatever, I don't know. <laughs> I'm clearly not a neuroscientist, but you know what I'm trying to say. So the dialogue that you're probably thinking in your head is not really, I don't think I can do it. It's actually, I'm afraid that I don't deserve it. And that's what success brings up. So when we say we're afraid to fail, what we're really saying is, I'm afraid that I don't deserve the thing I'm striving for. And I'm afraid of what would happen. (laughs) Well, what level would I have to be at in my life to accept this level of success? And thinking like I'm afraid to fail is just kind of the easy way out. Success is scary because success means proving ourselves wrong, proving our brains wrong, maybe even proving other people wrong. If you have people in your life that don't believe in you because they don't believe in themselves, because they're stuck in a certain type of reality that maybe you don't want to subscribe to, but sometimes you can't help but let it suck you in, right? Success means breaking down those barriers and tearing down those walls, which is not an easy thing to do. And succeeding at something also means like not having any more excuses for why you can't do it because like, hello, you did it. So for me, every time I post a new retreat or I'm about to host a new retreat, I am freaking the fuck out, y'all. I don't think you understand how much I was freaking out. And I've had to do a lot of work to not freak out as much. And I'm happy to say that this last retreat I hosted was a little bit better on me mentally. But like two retreats ago, it was literally affecting my relationship because a month leading up to a retreat, I was just so nervous and so stressed and anxious and so afraid that I would fuck everything up and everything would go wrong and all of these things. Like it was so scary. So many times I have to talk myself out of canceling everything. It's just nuts what goes on in my mind. But I tell myself that I'm afraid of failing, but I'm actually afraid of like not failing, of actually this being good and proving myself wrong. Because why? It means that I no longer have a reason to hold myself back because I've already proven to myself that I've done it. So like my, what is it called? My baseline is already higher and operating from a higher baseline isn't the most you know, comfortable thing to do. Our brains are a lot more resistant to success because it means moving past our comfort threshold, not just physically, but mainly mentally. 
For example, getting deep into a new relationship is usually scarier and more vulnerable than being single or dating or just telling yourself that everyone sucks and it's not worth it. Why? Because telling yourself that everything sucks and it's not worth it, it lets you just be where you are, right? Getting a new job is exciting, but it also comes with its own challenges and nerves. Starting a business is often a bigger risk than working for someone else. I mean, I guess it just depends how you see risk and what you see as risky. But the thing about failure is that most failures aren't actually backsliding failures. So like if you don't get the job, right, or the person you liked didn't like you back, you didn't actually lose anything because you didn't have it to begin with, right? You're just kind of like back at where you started at that same status quo. And of course, like there are exceptions where failure is really big and scary and has potential grand consequences, but that's not that often. Generally speaking, the biggest consequence that comes from quote-unquote failure is just staying the same. And that's not something our brains are really that afraid of, which is why I'm arguing here that your fear of success, which is so deeply tied to like that self-worth aspect, that do I deserve this, this piece of you that's like, oh, fuck, (laughs) you know, this is wild, but like I'm doing it and like, oh, what if this does work out? Like, that is the part that is more riveting, right? It's more it's more stirring and just, I guess, scary because it's a biochemical reaction and we feel that in the body and our brains are like, oh my God, this is new and dangerous and stop and don't do it. But there are practices, there are mindset tools that you can use, a lot of which that you're probably really familiar with because we've talked about them on this podcast. You've probably thought about these things, done them in in therapy or wherever else. But it takes a lot of courage and willpower and support both from yourself and advocating to receive support from the people around you. It takes stamina and stubbornness to believe in yourself, to move past that fear of success or fear of perceived failure and balancing these two. So let me circle back to what I said at the beginning. You fear failure because you also fear success. And this is important to know because when you're working on overcoming the fear of failure or overcoming the fear of success, What helps move through the discomfort involves a lot of self-talk, the type of self-talk that is neutralizing to the brain. Because again, when you're trying something new, when you're going for something, when you're scared shitless, there's a reaction happening in your brain and you need to be able to process that and to talk yourself through that to calm yourself down so that you know, you stay sane as you're doing the big thing, which I'm really proud of you for doing. And these mindset tools that I talked about, I'm going to just list a couple that have been the biggest game changers for me. The first one being doing a best case scenario plan and a worst case scenario plan. My mom taught me this. So I guess this whole episode is really about my mom (laughs) and what she's taught me. My mom is really good at talking me through this. And I was also really inspired because boyfriend and I watched This Is Us, like binge watched it a few months ago. And I love that show. I can't believe it took me however many years to get into it. But 
you know, Randall, in case you haven't seen that show, it's amazing. Highly recommend. But there's a character in there, Randall, that gets really bad anxiety. And his wife and him play this game. It's quite hilarious. And the game is basically like shouting out the worst thing in the world that could possibly happen that your brain in that moment is really convinced it'll happen. And the things they shout out are just so absurd and ridiculous, making them funny and they both usually end up laughing and calming themselves down. And I think that is just so healthy. It was the first time I actually saw an example of that modeled. I really thought that my mom was the genius who came up with this and the only one on the planet that did this. But basically, as you outline, you walk yourself through, what is the worst thing that can happen? If I go for this thing, what is the worst thing that can happen? And usually the worst thing that can happen is not that bad. It's bad when it's all bottled up in your head, but when you really say it, your mind prepares for it. In 2020, during the start of COVID, when everything got shut down, it was actually the day that I was supposed to host a retreat in Zanzibar, an island off the coast of Tanzania in Africa. And it was this retreat that, gosh, I worked on it for over a year and it took so much planning and so much to get it together because of how far away it was and a location I haven't been to before and everything. So me and my mom were watching all the COVID lockdowns starting to happen on TV. Literally, as some of my girls coming to the retreat were boarding the airplane to Kenya. And a couple of them were actually in Kenya when the world shut down. Like, it was crazy. And I was God, I stressed is an understatement. Like, it was so scary. So my mom is like, all right, let's go through it. What's the worst thing that can happen? And I'm like, okay, well, the worst thing that can happen is I lose, like, 100 grand. And she's like, all right, well, you'll lose 100 grand. You'll still be okay. And I was. P.S., that was, like, in the moment, and that was, like, the business worst thing that can happen. We did not know anything about COVID or how deadly and dangerous it was at the time. None of that. I'm just telling you, like, the thought process in the moment, the big scary thing was like, oh, my God, my retreat's going to get canceled. Everything's going to fall apart. But really, not everything fell apart. It's just like, I lost money. Like, whoop-de-doo. Sucked, but it was fine. Like, I'm fine. So... (laughs) I'm probably not doing as great of a job at modeling this, but it really, really does help because you are mentally prepared. One thing that I've noticed is that in the media, successful people are painted as those who had this dream and didn't let anything stop them and took these big risks and everything just worked out perfectly, but that's just so not true. First of all, many successful people just get lucky in some way that they usually do don't like to admit to the press. And I don't mean lucky like, oh, they don't work hard. I think luck and hard work often go hand in hand, but some people have certain things set up for them or they knew somebody or they were in the right place at the right time. Or sometimes, you know, one thing I like to say is that luck is opportunity meets preparation. So if you work hard and then you have certain things set up and then the opportunity comes toward you, it's almost like this energetic pull because you were mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally like prepared for it because of everything that you put into it. So the opportunity may have been lucky, but you wouldn't have gone for it or known what to do with it had you not been prepared. So 
anyways, I don't say luck as in like to knock people down. I say that in just a really practical sense that luck, hard work, combination of many different things, that often is what makes people successful. And most successful people aren't necessarily like more courageous than you or like not afraid to fail and just go for things and have things work out for them. They're actually just really good at risk mitigating. Why do I bring this up? Because worst case scenario planning helps you do exactly that, right? You're risk mitigating. Guess what I did the next time I planned a retreat? I got event insurance. So if everything got canceled, I wouldn't have to lose as much money anymore. And now I'm a little bit more prepared. I'm able to mitigate that risk. It helps me fear the failure or the, you know, another retreat getting canceled in the future. It helps calm me down a little bit, knowing that I know what to do to set myself up for not as worst case of a scenario. So a lot of people who have this quote success, they take risks, but like within reason. Another example, I guess, with my book, like I got really lucky with my publisher. I'll be the first to admit that it was just a right email at the right time that they responded to, and it turned into this book that I'm so happy and proud of and grateful for that opportunity. But, like, I took a risk, but it wasn't, like, that big of a risk. Like, I just wrote an email. I wasn't like, I'm going to quit school and quit everything and pursue my dream of becoming a writer. Most people don't do that. Most people don't have the privilege or the luxury to just like drop everything and go after their dreams. So to me, overcoming the fear of failure has a lot to do with balancing reason and practicality with risks and dreams. So this worst case scenario planning is important because it helps you be prepared and grounded while allowing yourself to dream and to take these risks that make sense. And I also want to say that best case scenario planning is also really important because that's what helps you not overcome the fear of success, but almost like see that success is not to be feared. And so when you're doing a best case scenario planning and you're getting excited about it and you're like, wow, in the best case, everything will go splendidly and it'll all be worth it. So best case scenario planning is just as important as worst case scenario planning because you don't want to be all doom and gloom all the time. You really do want a vision that'll help keep you going. And that will also help you when the fear of failure arises and tries to lie to you and say that you can't do it because you can do it. Speaking of you can do it, one thing that I tell myself when I'm talking myself through things, I tell myself that I can do it. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to do it well, especially not right away. If it's my first time, then I'm probably going to be really bad at it, but I'm going to be okay with being bad. For example, this podcast Like when I first started, my audio was bad. I knew it. I didn't have the proper equipment. I just kind of went for it. I didn't really know what I was doing. The first time we released an episode, nothing even like went up on iTunes and it took days to get it up. And then I already announced it and it was just like clunky and weird. But because I did it, I was able to improve. 
And I have moments where during episodes, I'm like, oh, this is awful. But you can't get stuck in that perfectionism because that is going to limit you. That is going to prevent you from getting better. Perfectionism prevents you from getting better because if you don't create anything, if you don't do anything, then you don't have anything to perfect. Perfectionism is just an excuse and it has nothing to do with actually wanting to be better and everything to do with just not wanting to be seen in your humanness. So instead, I just constantly remind myself that it's okay to not be good. It's okay to not look good. It's okay for it to be clunky. It's okay for it to be weird. It's okay for me to just mess up. And if I do, then I'm just going to learn. There's no other way. In the same way, I tell myself a similar thing about success. Like, I might succeed. Will it feel good? Probably. But there's also a chance that it might not be as great as I thought. And I think that's important to managing your expectations because, again, what I'm trying to do here with my brain and with giving you these tools is you're just really trying to neutralize the whole experience so you're not on this grand emotional roller coaster constantly tying your self-worth to whether or not you succeed or whether or not you fail, right? You're just trying to tell yourself that like it is what it is. Like it's all good and you're using different methods of self-talk to walk yourself through all these possibilities, all these things that can or might happen. And once you talk yourself through all these things, the fear of failure or the fear of success is not as prominent because you no longer see it in such a binary way. You're just seeing all the fluid opportunities, all the fluid possibilities that are in between. It's not just success and failure. It's like there's so many different things that could happen, so many ways that it can play out, and it's all wonderful. And here's one last tip. This one also comes from my mom. So I'm titling this episode, How to Overcome the Fear of Failure, Feet Advice from Mary's Mom. But one thing my mom also asks me is, what is the next best step? What is the next most logical thing that you can do? Is it filling out an application, making a phone call, outlining the project, building a new habit, micro habits or small action steps? lead to really big results. And every single big achievement happens through the course of very micro steps. There's no big thing that you can do overnight, like literally nothing besides like maybe going viral on the internet. And even that is just usually because you were posting a bunch of things before that and Luck is opportunity meets preparation. So you were working on your TikTok videos and after dozens and dozens, if not hundreds and hundreds, one of them takes off. Like that's usually the behind the scenes that that we don't see when we look at other people's success stories. So what is that next best step that you can take? And recognize that the next best step is not scary. It really isn't. When you break it down into these small, small steps, they're not scary. When I'm planning a retreat, I'm like, okay, I need a location. Okay, I'm going to make a payment. Okay, I'm going to put it out there. 
Okay, people are going to sign up. Okay, now I'm going to create the curriculum. Okay, and then you just do like one little, 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 little thing at a time until it turns into something. Maybe it's something beautiful or maybe it's something you learned from or somewhere in between all of the above. So whatever that is, whatever that thing you're afraid of, it's okay to be afraid and know that there are ways that you can talk yourself through that fear, that fear of failure. There are avenues that you can explore when it comes to thinking about what you're really afraid of. Are you really afraid to fail? Or is there this part of you that just feels like you're not fully worthy of success? Is it because you're feeling challenged and Fearing failure is just kind of keeping you comfortable because it lets you just think about staying where you are as opposed to growing into where you could be. Whatever that is for you, know that you have the power to overcome it with a little bit of introspection and a lot of small micro steps, okay? I believe in you. I love you. You got this. And... I'm going to take a dramatic sip of tea to lock in this message. I don't know if you heard, but I actually took two gulps. All right, I'll talk to you next time. Bye. One last thing before we farewell, if you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a review on Apple or rate the show on Spotify, depending on where you're listening. Your feedback helps the podcast grow, and as someone whose love language is words of affirmation, your kind words just mean the absolute world to me. Just search the show on Apple, scroll all the way down to where you'll see a place to leave a review. And if you're listening on Spotify, on the show's homepage, you'll see like a star. And when you click on that star, it'll let you send in your reading. Thank you so much for helping me spread the gift of self-love. And speaking of the gift of self-love, make sure you pick up my book, which is available in stores and online worldwide. Just go to maryscupoftea.com book, and you'll find all the links to order the gift of self-love. I love you all so much, and I will talk to you next time. Bye!